Hi there, it's producer Rob here. Now, maybe you're a new listener, maybe you've been listening for ages. Well, either way, if you're finding this podcast useful, then you might also like to subscribe to Which Money. You'll get our monthly magazine packed with tips on how to make the most of your cash, from growing your savings and investments to avoiding rip-offs and scams. You'll also be able to call our experts on the Which Money helpline as often as you like to get answers to your money queries. Just visit which.co.uk forward slash join money. That's which.co.uk forward slash join money and sign up today. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. In England and Scotland, properties are still placed into bans based on their council tax values as of 1991. Now, to put that in perspective, in the chart at that point was Chesney Hawks, with I am the one and only. You might have a case for appealing your council tax banned uh, by going to the uh, Valuation Office Agency, the VOA. The majority of us are paying it. It's one of our biggest bills a month, and you might be surprised to know the amount you pay was probably decided decades ago. I'm talking about council tax, and today we're going to be deep diving into the workings of this old system, and importantly, whether you could be paying too much. Because last year, one in three people who appealed theirs now pay less, and they're likely to get a refund for the money they've overpaid, which could be thousands. So to tell us everything we need to know, I'm joined today by which expert, Matthew Jenkin, and I'm so pleased to say we're also joined by local government expert at the Institute for Fiscal Studies, David Phillips. Hello, both. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Matthew, then, shall we start with who has to pay? Because it's, it's virtually all of us, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, most of us can't escape um, <laughs> the dreaded council tax. Most people who are over 18 and own or rent a home, they usually have to pay council tax. It'll normally be the person living in the property who has to pay. But sometimes, however, it's down to the property's owner as well. For example, um, if you live in a nursing home. But yeah, there's no escaping, I'm afraid. That's the sad truth, isn't it? And, you know, how important is council tax to the government? Because I see my bills and it feels like a pinch. How much does the government really earn from it? And what does it fund exactly, David? Well, it matters quite a lot. So across Great Britain as a whole, it raises about £44 billion a year, which makes it the fifth largest tax. So after income tax, national insurance, VAT, corporation tax, then you've got council tax. Now, it goes directly to councils. And in England and Wales, also police and fire authorities as well. And it matters a lot to their budgets. So after the sort of big cuts in central government funding, councils now rely on council tax for more than half of their budget. That compares to around a third, sort of 10 to 15 years ago. And it funds things like social care, libraries, leisure centres, local transport, local housing, a whole range of services that all of us rely on, but particularly the most vulnerable people rely on. And for police, for example, it now raises about a third of their budgets as well, compared to about a fifth in the, the early 2010s. So it's really important for local councils and the police service. But it also matters a lot to us as people, because first of all, we pay it, want to see what we get in return. But it's also quite a big part of people's budgets. On average, it's about 3% of people's after-tax take-home pay. A little bit less in Scotland, because tax bills are lower there. 
And actually, it varies across income distribution as well. It's more for those on low to middle incomes than it is for those on high incomes. So it is super important for the government. And as you say, it's one of our biggest outgoings a month. You know, I see my bill going up every April and... And it does make you wonder where it's going. So, you know, it's good to hear how important it is. But shall we dive into some of the costs then and how these costs are decided? Because various bans exist. So can you explain those? And does the amount we pay also differ depending on where we live? Yeah, I mean, council tax bans, they're there to determine how much council tax you pay. And as you alluded to uh, sort of at the beginning of the show, they're based on the value of your property. If it's in England, it's uh, from April 1991, Scotland as well, or April 2003 if it's in Wales. Northern Ireland, on the other hand, uses a, an older system of domestic rates, and that's based on the capital value of a property. But as you also mentioned, you know, it also depends on where you live. And, and that's because councils have the freedom to raise taxes every year. Um, in England, by up to 5%. Um, although some councils have actually given special permission to increase it by even more because of uh, if they're in any sort of financial difficulties. If you live in Rutland, where Bandy Council tax is the most expensive, you'll pay about £2,500 a year. But in contrast, if you live in Westminster, which is actually the cheapest Bandy Council tax in the country, uh, you're paying just over £900. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that can make a difference to how much you pay. And depending on, you know, whether you've got the highest band or the lowest band, what might that look like in terms of a property? That's a really interesting question. I think there's no real typical band A or typical band H property. It very much depends on where you are in the country and what prevailing property values are there, or at least were there back in 1991 mm. or 2003 in Wales. So, for example, in the northeast of England, over half of properties are band A. So even if you're in a kind of three-bedroom house, you could be in a band A. But actually, if you're in Kensington and Chelsea, there's no band A properties, really. You could be in a small two-bedroom flat and find yourself in band F, band G. So it really depends on where you are in the country and how valuable properties were there when they did the valuations. Now, you've brought us very nicely onto my next question, which is how are council bans decided? Because I know that for many, these decisions were made decades ago, weren't they? Yeah. So as Matthew was saying, there's only been one valuation of properties in England and Scotland and only two in Wales. So in England and Scotland, properties are still placed into bans based on their council tax values as of 1991. Now, to put that in perspective, and it's quite apt, actually, in the chart at that point was Chesney Hawks with I am the one and only. <laughs> and there's only been one and only valuation in England. Now, in Wales, properties of existing bans are updated bans. So in the early 2000s, the Welsh government thought it's getting a bit ridiculous. Things have moved on. Music's moved on, let alone property values. So they did a valuation in 2005 based on 2003 values, but there's been none since. So values in Wales and cash tax in Wales is based on bans for when Gareth Gates was in the charts. And who actually even thinks about him, you know, now? <laughs> so yes, these are out-of-date values. And to this day, even with new properties, what people have to do is to work out, well, if this was built in 1991, what would it be worth? What is its value then? And that is increasingly difficult, especially when you have like new neighbourhoods which didn't even exist then. How do you work out what properties are worth in, in 1991 for an estate built in 2023? 
Okay, well, so we're talking the era of Chesney Hawks for England and Scotland and Gareth Gates for Wales. As you said, music has moved on, although I feel like, you know, these are maybe the kinds of tunes you might hear at the end of of a club night. But (laughs) the question really is, why is it necessarily a bad thing that the council tax bans of the 90s or the noughties still stand? As I just said, there's that really sort of practical issue, if you like, where you need to try to work out what the value of a property now is but what it would have been in 1991. And that's increasingly difficult as time goes by. But if you can get around that, that doesn't mean there's, there's no issue at all. I think there's a real issue of fairness as well. So I think sometimes people worry that if you do revalue properties, that means everyone's going to pay more, right? Because the values have gone up so much over the last 30 years. But that's not really the case, because if the government was to revalue properties, it could just set the band thresholds higher. So to become a band A or band B, the values you need to be would, would be higher. But the really important thing is it's not every property has gone up by the same percentage since 1991 or since 2003 in Wales. Properties have gone up by very different amounts. And in effect, that means that properties are in the wrong bands compared to each other. So, for example, since 1991, values in Hackney have risen about ninefold. Mm. At least when we looked at this in 2020, they had ninefold. In County Durham, two and a halffold. Mm. And that hasn't been reflected in the council tax system. And those are really big changes. Mm. So what you can have is you can have two properties that are now worth the same amount, facing very different council tax, just because they used to be worth something back when the Soviet Union was still around. Conversely, you can have two properties that face the same bill, but are now worth tens or even hundreds of thousands of pounds in different values. And you get Situations where properties in, say, County Durham, four-bedroom detached houses, say, worth £250,000, are facing a lot more council tax than, say, a two-bed flat, but those are the million pounds in London. And that's all because we haven't updated the value. So I think it's a really important issue. Gosh, this is just screaming, I need to be reformed, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and the longer you leave it, the bigger these problems get. The values change more and more. People get more and more used to the bill they're paying and it becomes not just practically, but politically more difficult to perform. We should never have got ourselves in this situation. Mm. Valuation should happen on a regular basis so people can predict them and build it into, into their plans. Once you leave it 30 years, people might even say, well, I never expected this. I can't afford to pay this extra bill now. You need to do it regularly to make sure it's built into people's sort of life plans, like like they do with business rates for businesses. Mm. And can we go back to a point you mentioned earlier? You know, we might be talking about totally new neighbourhoods, which makes me think, you know, new builds. I live in a new build. What does that mean for my council tax? How was my band calculated? Because you'd expect a newer calculation and so something more accurate. Or is that not right? No. So what they need to do for your property is they need to kind of look back at the records and say, well, well, if this property had been you know, around in 1991, what would it have been worth? And for some areas, you can kind of do that reasonably straightforwardly, you know, if there were lots of properties already in that area with similar characteristics. Mm. But if you're saying, you know, a, a property kind that didn't really exist in your area at that point, let's say they, they built some nice executive style homes in an area that previously used to have just, you know, small council flats it's quite hard to work out what those executive homes would have been worth back yeah. then. Or conversely, you know, they're building a lot more flats now than they used to. How do you value those? So they do their best to work out a 1991 value for it. But I think the further we get from that, just the harder it gets to do that. 
And, you know, as we've mentioned, there really does feel like a, a huge need for reform here. But what a lot of work that would take. Just from this short conversation so far, I can see that there is so much to consider. You know, is there any prospect that it might be reviewed soon? Well, I'm not actually that hopeful for for England, at least, anytime soon. Not because politicians and policymakers don't think it needs to be done, but just because the sort of politics of it is so difficult. You know, those who'd lose would sort of complain a lot louder than those those who would gain would cheer. I think that's kind of what we often see with kind of taxes or lots of areas of government policy. You get stasis because there's this sort of tyranny of the status quo. Mm. And I think there was a political moment a few years ago when I thought change might happen. So after the 2019 election, when the Conservatives won lots of seats in the north of England, the so-called Labour Red Wall, well, that's exactly the kind of places where property values haven't gone up as much as in the rest of the country, like County Durham. Lots of seats were won there. And if you want to cement the Red Wall as a new blue wall, well, give people tax cuts. Mm. But of course, we've seen recently politics has changed vastly. I think the Conservatives will be kind of like, you know, feeling lucky to hold on to some of their southern seats, let alone some of their northern ones. So I think that appetite would have sort of gone from the leadership of the Conservatives. And I don't think Labour's going to want to sort of, you know, rock the boat now and sort of talk about this before an election. Mm. So in England, I think I don't really see much happening in the in the short term. I think Wales and Scotland could be a bit different, though. Oh, OK. So do tell us more about that then. I think they are somewhat different there. So that's because I think there's more of a political consensus around the need to revalue and reform council tax. So in Wales, for example, it's part of what's called a cooperation agreement. So an agreement between Labour, who's the government, and Plaid Cymru, one of the main opposition parties, they've agreed to cooperate on certain things. Council tax reform is one of those. And in Scotland, four of the five biggest parties, so the SNP are in government, but also the Greens, Labour and the Lib Dems, they've all put in the manifestos back in 2021 that council tax should be reformed. And I think having that sort of political consensus gives a little bit more sort of confidence to a government to actually take a risk and say, well, look, actually, we've got people on side. Yes, there'll be kind of complaints about this, but we've sort of built the case across politics. That isn't the case in England, where it's very much a sort of two horse race between Labour and Conservatives and neither wants to be the one that gets sort of to be the one that takes this sort of nettle. Well, it's good to hear you're feeling a little bit more positive about there potentially being change in Scotland and Wales, though I do think it does sound like for England there may be quite some weight. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Well, there are things that you can do yourself and I expect many of you listening might be questioning your council tax ban now and understandably wondering whether you might be paying too much. Well, we'll find out how you can do exactly that after this. What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? (sighs) Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. So challenging your council tax, you've got a one in three chance of it going down and potentially even getting a big refund for the years you've overpaid. Matthew, what are the things you can do to see if you're in with a chance? 
Yeah, I mean, if you think that um, your property's been uh, valued incorrectly or there's been some major changes to the place that you live, for example, it's been converted into flats, then you might have a case for appealing your council tax banned uh, by going to the uh, valuation office agency, the VOA. But the first step would be to do some research ask around your neighbours, see what other properties on your street that are similar to yours, what bands they are in. For example, on my street, we actually did this and we found that we did, but we found that uh, everybody was on the same band, Mm -hmm. um, except for one that was actually lower. So if I was that person, then I would probably err on the side of caution before appealing, because when you do appeal, um, you can, <laughs> you could find yourself going into a higher band. Mm-hmm. But that's a little bit later down the process. But yeah, the first part is researching. Also, you might uh, want to um, take a look at, as part of your research, other uh, property websites such as Rightmove and Zoopla to see what uh, properties are similar to yours being in, in your area, what price they're being sold at, uh, what they're being valued at as well. And then once you have a a, a sort of general idea of your home's value, then you can also go to um, the nationwide house price index calculator and you can get a a more accurate valuation for the relevant year in 1991, if it's in England or Scotland or 2003, if it's in Wales. And then you can take your challenge to the VOA. Again, you're not guaranteed that you're going to get your your council tax ban lowered. But if you think you've got a good case, then you should try. However, as I said, there is always a risk that you could end up in a higher band as a result. Okay, so you've got all the research under your belt and you contact the VOA. What does the process kind of look like from then? Yeah, once the VOA have come back with their decision, if you're not happy with the result, then you can appeal to the Valuation Tribunal for England or the Valuation Tribunal Wales. If you live in Scotland and the challenge cannot be resolved by your local assessor within six months, then the dispute will then be referred to the Valuation Appeal Committees. And I was speaking to a colleague before this and a question came up about renting. So what happens if you're renting? Is this something you can still do or would you have to put it to your landlord and kind of leave the ball in their court? As far as I understand, Lucia, (laughs) uh, as a tenant, it's your responsibility to pay council tax. And as, as such, then you would have every right to then challenge your council tax ban. But it might be a good idea to also check with your landlord. David, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of because council tax is a tax on the occupier, not the owner of the property, it's the occupier that pays the bill. They also have the right to put a challenge through. Mm. But yes, check with a landlord because, you know, sometimes landlords might think, oh, well, people might look at the council tax band and then infer the value from the council tax band if mm. they want to sell the property on. Mm-hmm. So a bit of a strange thing to think, but do check with your landlord because they may sort of have issues about it because they're not paying it. Oh, it's really good to hear that renters do have some rights here, you know, for a change. And if appealing isn't on the cards for you, perhaps you don't want to risk paying more. There are lots of ways you can reduce your bill. Matthew, can we hear some of those? Yeah. So depending on your circumstances, you might also qualify for a council tax discount of about 25%. You can get this discount if you live alone or with others who are disregarded for council tax purposes. Uh, These include full-time students. Other reductions may be available on empty properties, for example, as well as second and holiday homes. These discounts aren't applied automatically though. So if you think you fit the bill, you need to write to the council and make your case. And Matthew, is that something that you could backdate? For the discount, no. But if you're in the wrong band, yes, you can. 
it depends on the circumstances. And in particular, whether there was a good cause for you not to put in the discount claim or the means-tested cash stats reduction claim at the time you would have become eligible for it. Now, if there was a good reason, the council's got discretion to allow a backdated claim. Different councils have different rules. In some areas, it's a month. In some areas, it's six months. Some areas, it's a year if you're working age. For those of pension age, there's standard rules across the country. It's three months uh, across the country, those of pension age. And finally then, now given uh, 2023 marks the 30th anniversary of council tax coming into being, can you believe it? If you were starting from scratch today, this is a big question for you, how would you change things? Ah, well, you've now given an economist, you know, uh, carte blanche. Um, It's actually a really big question. I've written some hefty tomes on this, so I'll try to be pretty brief. So I think I'd start by making sure that the tax is based on up-to-date property value. So evaluation. And then kept up to date. So you value, you know, at quite a frequent basis. So we don't end up this situation again where, you know, values are 30 years out of date. It's really hard to reform and change. Mm. Now, using modern IT systems, actually, it's quite straightforward to do evaluation. You don't need to, like, have someone go around and do all the evaluations, someone drive around, knock on people's doors, at least not from the vast majority of properties. Sort of computers and statistical models can actually be used to estimate values. A little bit like, say, Zoopla does when you go onto the website and it, it does the estimation of the value. The VOA has more information than Zoopla does about properties as a valuation office agency, so they can get more accurate estimates. And actually, you know, sometimes people think, oh, it's a computer doing it, that's not very fair. But maybe it's even fairer actually than having a human valuer. Different human valuers might have different, you know, biases, if you like. A computer model is the same for everyone. So I'd make sure it's, you know, up to date and use these modern valuation techniques. Now, if I was starting from scratch, I wouldn't have this bandit system we, we have now. I'd have it as a simple flat percentage of the property value. Mm. And across England as a whole, you could raise the amount we raise now with a, a value tax rate of about 0.5% of the value of a property. So, for example, if your property is worth £100,000, you pay £500, £200,000, you pay £1,000, and so on. Now, that would reduce the bills for the bulk of households, especially low- and middle-income households, but it would mean higher bills for those living in high-value mm. properties. And actually, if you're in you know, one of these big mansions, or even just a flat in somewhere like Kensington and Chelsea or, or Westminster, worth £10 million, pounds, mm-hmm. well, 0.5% of £10 million pounds is £50,000. So some quite big increases in bills for those properties. So I don't think you can move there overnight. So starting from scratch, that's what I do. Where we are now, I think that what you need to start with is evaluation. And we can start to think about making it a bit more like that proportional property tax, which would mean lower bills for the bulk of the population, although higher bills for those with very high value properties. So much food for thought there. And we've covered so much ground today, so much advice. And we'll pop some links uh, in the description of today's show for you to check out how to appeal yourself. Now, thank you both so, so much, David and Matthew, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks very much. A huge thanks again to Matthew and David for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch our new episodes as soon as they drop. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. 
This episode of the Witch Bunny podcast was written and produced by myself and Rob Lilly and edited by Eric Breer with additional support from Grace Witherden. Scammers are stealing hundreds of millions of pounds every year. They bombard us with fraudulent texts, emails and calls. And what's more, their tactics are getting increasingly sinister. To keep across the latest scams, sign up to our free Scam Alert service to help you stay ahead of the latest scams and protect yourself. Go to witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. That's witch.co.uk forward slash scam alert dash newsletter. Thank you. Thank you.